to give everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, episode 38, White Cat Outdoors podcast. I'll be your host tonight, Tom, and also co-hosting with me tonight, we got my older brother, Nick. Hey, how's it going everybody? And my younger brother, Luke. How's it going? And tonight we have a very special episode, super excited about it. Luke just got back from a week-long trip to Alaska salmon fishing. So in this episode, we're going to cover basically that trip, how it went, what he caught, how he caught him, all kinds of good stuff. So we'll just uh, pass the ball over to Luke and get a little rundown of his his little stay up there and some say the last frontier yeah take us from the top well as uh as tom mentioned um i just got back from alaska and actually i've been back for for a couple weeks now and before i left i had uh my buddies bailey and anthony on here and we talked about you know what was gonna happen in the trip and what we expected and so it'll be kind of cool to be able to recap with you guys about how the trip actually went but um little we're gonna fast forward here real quick um while i was in alaska i actually uh got appendicitis and have been you know laid up and went to the hospital for a few weeks so i haven't really been able to to fish much uh since i got back from alaska but um we're getting ready to get back into the swing of things and I think let's just start with the the appendicitis story cuz that's kind of wild. Well, it's like what day 8 into your 10 yeah, day we'll, trip. We'll we'll just we'll we'll get that out of out of the way and uh, it's best and then, to start at the end and then work back with throwing in parts from the middle. But anyways, so like last 2 days I was in Alaska, started to get a little stomach ache. And just figured it was from a diet change. You know, I was eating a lot of salmon up there and uh, my just my whole schedule was off and just figured I was, you know, adapting to that and my you know, just little stomach bug would go away. So I came home and was home for about, I don't know, four or five days and stomach ache wasn't getting any better. Actually started to get real, real bad around like that day four, day five and uh, I was having terrible, terrible stomach aches, and um, eventually it got to the point I had a wicked high fever and uh, just crippling stomach aches and decided, yeah, it was time to go to the hospital. But two days prior to that, I had actually went to an Urgicare, and uh, Doc told me I was uh, ship-shaped. So he assured you that yeah, no problem. Yeah, he's like, nope, you're uh, you look good and everything feels good. You're you're all set. You know, um, come back if uh, if you have any any further issues. Well, at that point when I was talking with that doctor and he was pushing on my belly, I had a ruptured appendix. So uh, when I went to the hospital, when I started getting the real high fevers and uh, everything, and Turned out that uh, that's what it was. I had appendicitis that had ruptured, and we're getting it all squared away. So, as long soon as, road to recovery, though. I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, we're not, we're not there yet. But uh, 
I don't want to focus too much on that. I mean, this is the the outdoors yeah. podcast, but I was keeping you guys informed that uh, I haven't been, you know, out. I haven't been getting outside as as we would say on here. Pathetic. I know. I'm sorry, but uh, within the next next few weeks and next couple of days, uh, I'll I'll be getting out there and uh, being able to get some more content. And uh, we just invested a little more money on uh, some camera gear, so. Hopefully, uh, the YouTube channels start spicing up as uh, hunting season comes rolling around, and uh, the steelhead start running, lake trout start moving through. That, and that's another thing. I it kind of snuck up on us too. Like this, the steelhead runs coming up real fast. Oh yeah, it's it's right around the corner. So we'll have we'll have plenty of content, and uh, hopefully I mean, can post some for you guys. What's I've, that, Tom? I've caught steelhead prior to archery hunting. So I mean, it's we'll have to bring Anthony back weeks on. Away. Doesn't he do some guiding and yep, stuff for? Yep, Anthony Steelhead? is yep a registered guide for. Uh, we should uh, bring Anthony back on here soon. Talk a little bit of steelhead tactics. Yeah, for sure. And if people are looking to book a hunt, so or a book fishing a trip, fish. book a fish, book a fish. Yep, you want to book a fish? Anthony's the guy. But uh, actually, uh, we mentioned him quite a few times, and another guy that I went to Alaska with, Hunter uh, Daniels, actually is working oh, on yep working on getting uh he he got his guide well he's guided in alaska as we've said on the podcast before and he was actually kind of the key to our our success in alaska when we went up um but yeah um i'm gonna get the get the name real quick i think it's hdcr fishing uh you can look them up like on instagram and they're they're just in the beginning um of their of their journey but getting their their company official and all their licenses are still coming in the mail and everything so once they are uh completely you know solid you'll be able to look them up and they'll have a website and you can book a trip with them and i'll tell you i've been fishing with those guys for years and they they catch more fish than than anybody on the streams that i know so anyways um I'll be getting outside, so we'll have that content. But as Tom said earlier, let's get into uh, the trip trip of a lifetime, really, up, up to Alaska. Um, as Nick mentioned Anthony. Uh, I mentioned Hunter and whatnot. Uh, the trip was myself, Carter, Hunter, Anthony, and Bailey. So there were five of us. And this trip, everything got planned and booked Within probably three days of having the idea of going to Alaska, and that was maybe maybe three months before we went. So um, we really didn't have have a lot of time to uh, decide. And that was the three months was with me, Bailey, and Anthony, and Hunter and Carter uh, decided to come maybe with with about a month before their flight actually took off. So it was it was a real quick quick planned trip, but um started at the top, we really didn't know what to expect, but uh Hunter Daniels uh has guided up there and has been going up to Alaska. I think I think he's on five or six uh summers in a row that he's gone to Alaska. So he's he spent quite a quite a bit of time up there. And so he kind of, as I said earlier, was our, our, our key to success. But we got up there and uh, got our 
got our Airbnb and everything settled out. And well, back up because well, start. You, you uh, got I'll, off I'll, the plane. You, you're yep. getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. I don't want you to there, there try and keep a, it on a timeline here. Yeah, there is a a, a key element that uh, that I'll throw in. It's not. Not fishing related, but it's I'm, part of the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you guys will, will enjoy this one. So, um, we get off the plane, and with COVID 19, all of our flights got moved. We weren't riding on the same planes. Uh, the three of us arrived, you know, 10 hours before the other two guys arrived, and it was just a big hassle, but at the end of the day, everyone was getting to Alaska and we were going to do some fishing. So plane lands and we go to pick up our rental car. Well, the service that we were renting our rental car through wouldn't accept Anthony's card. So not to get into too much detail, but they were just, just said they couldn't accept it. So they said, but you know, you could go to enterprise. They'll, they'll, they'll rent you a car. So we wait in line at Enterprise and we get there and Enterprise is all sold out of cars. So we're they're like, "Oh, but you can go try, you know, this this service." It was another one of them, you know, main car rental places. Hertz probably. Yeah, Hertz or Budget or one of them. So I called Hunter who was uh sitting at like the Seattle airport getting ready for his plane to come to Anchorage. And I call him, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, well, ran into a little trouble. He's like, what do you mean? You guys landed in Alaska like half hour ago. And I'm like, yeah, well, we don't have a car. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, we already we already had one. We're like, yeah, we thought we did, but we don't. So I was like, Anthony's waiting in line. He's going to go talk to this guy at Hertz and see if see if we can get a car. He's like, all right, well, let me know what's going on. So Anthony finally gets up there and goes to swipe his card and there was no travel notice put on his card before he came to Alaska. So his card got declined. Uh, like the bank, you know, froze it because it was a out-of-state transaction. And so now Anthony's card doesn't work. I can't well, I use my probably card. Probably what that happened was because you had tried it a couple times like different yeah, places. Yeah, probably. And what happens like when... You know, every transaction's in Pennsylvania, and then you try and make three of them real fast. Yeah. In Alaska, they, like I said, you they freeze your account. Yeah. So the guy was like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, like, there's nothing we can do. I couldn't use my card because I'm not 25, and Anthony was the only one that was 25, so... We're kind of sitting there like we're we're ready to, you know, we're on Facebook Marketplace and we're going to buy a car, you know, no no title, no nothing, just just buy a car and use it for a week and leave it throw, at the Airbnb. Yeah, leave, <laughs> leave leave it on the side of the road. Like we're we're just scrap. We have no idea what we're going to do and uh you know, a voice from heaven. Uh the guy behind the Hertz counter says, "Hey, I got a buddy." That that was that was all the assurance we needed. When someone's got a buddy, you know it's good. So uh kinda kinda felt like Rick so Harrison he, at, say, at yeah, the pawn he just shop. Rick yeah. To you. yeah, Rick Harrison at the pawn shop. He's always got a buddy. But uh so Rick Rick Harrison uh told us he's got a buddy that uh he just got off the phone with that would rent us a car for cash. And 
if you guys know anything about car rentals, you don't really rent in cash because, you know, if you get a flat tire or damage or insurance reasons and whatnot, you, you got to have a card or some way to pay it off. But anyways, we heard vehicle, cash, good price, and we're, we were sold. So he's like, all right, well, uh, the guy said he'll pick you up in his Jeep and he'll drive you to his car dealership or like the, the rental service place. And uh, he said he's got a Hummer for you. So in all of our heads, we're thinking like, you know, H1, H2, uh, like yellow Hummer. Now it was a, oh, I'll get there. So we're all, we're all stoked. We're like, we we were thinking we were going to be paying, you know, two grand for, you know, two weeks to rent this car. And we just got a Hummer for 950 bucks cash. And like, we're, we were stoked. So, uh, the guy picks us up in his Jeep and he's a real friendly guy, you know, uh, never, never did learn his name. Uh, so we, we called him Lenny. He just, he looked like a Lenny, you know? So, uh, Lenny's car rental came and picked us up and driving us back to the rental place. And he was like, actually, um, I don't, I don't have the, the Hummer at the rental place. He's like, I actually just got it at my house. Uh, I was detailing it for you guys. So, uh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go down this little side road here and we'll, it'll, it's right in my driveway. So at this point we're kind of like, okay, this doesn't really feel right. We're some guy promised us to rent a car in cash and now we're not going to a rental place. We're in this dude's car and he's taking us to his house, but whatever, you know, we're in Alaska and we're, we're trusting people. So roll up to his house and sure enough, there's a H3 gray Hummer with the handles ripped off the doors and a shattered windshield and a bullet hole in the tire and this thing's just looking like a just a gem you know but he detailed it for you he said he detailed it but uh i think there was more dog hair than carpet in the car by the time we got it but um you know it it was looking good you know it was a People say, you know, like a 10-foot paint job. This was about like a 50-foot a car, you know. Like as we rounded the corner, it looked good. But like every every foot we got closer, you know, you saw a dent or a hole or a shattered windshield or a, a lock that was missing off the door. But anyways, we, uh, we get out of the car and, uh, you know, we got to do paperwork. We're, we're renting a car. There's, there's paperwork involved. So he uh, he gets out his green crayon and his lined paper notebook and brushes off his coffee table, but that's basically what it seemed like. No, he had a he had a piece of paper and a pen, and pushed over this. This is actually true right here. He pushed the goldfish and the chips ahoy crackers or chips ahoy cookies off the coffee table in his garage, and Anthony, you know, wrote his name and phone number down that's it on this you know piece of paper and uh the wife's screaming at the kids in the background and we pull out our wallets and give this guy 950 dollars in cash and anthony's name and phone number and he's like all right well uh when when did you guys uh plan on bringing this back we're like uh like we'll bring it back on the 16th and he's like all right well just give me give me a call later and uh, just let me know when you're going to be bringing it back and, and we'll figure it out. It's like, okay. 
Well, he's like, oh, and one more thing. He's like, we had a guy wire this radio up. He's like, it's an awesome radio, but if you go to use your headlights, something's weird. The subwoofer just turns on, so uh, you gotta like flick your lights back and forth and kind of catch it uh, with your headlights on when the when the subwoofer doesn't turn on. We're like, uh, all right, well, what, whatever, you know. We just figured, you know, just some some funky thing. Well. We're driving home and need to flick on the headlights and. Well, you gotta back up. He give you the ignition. And oh yeah. Well, that, that, well that, we didn't we didn't realize that yet. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't notice that yet. Um, we we were just kind of in shock and blinded by by all the other things. But anyways, we're we're driving home or driving to our Airbnb and uh, we need to turn on the headlights. So Anthony flicks on the headlights and just. Boom. Right, you don't have to do that in the mic. Well, yes, no, yeah. they need to hear what I'm talking about, and just god awful noise. And he turns the headlights off, and we're like, Lenny, Lenny said to flick it a bunch of times, so he's flicking it, and this just subwoofer is just going off, and it it's blown. Obviously, it just sounds terrible. And finally, we get the headlights on um, with with the subwoofer off and uh we can't figure out how to turn the actual radio on like the subwoofer would work but like the radio wouldn't work well anyways it started to get a little bit colder so anthony goes to turn on the the fan like to turn the heat on the radio kicks on so the radio was wired into the fan of the hummer so you had to have the air on for the radio to be on. And as soon as you would shut the air off, the radio would shut off. Well, we were there in the summertime, and the days would get like 80 degrees. So, you know, you'd want to turn the AC on. But obviously the Hummer didn't have AC. It was just blew all hot air. So you couldn't turn the air on for the AC, but you had no radio unless the air was on. So it was just, it was just a great ride. So anyways, we get we get to our Airbnb and Anthony, you know, pulls the key out of the ignition and was kind of like looking at it because he said it was a little funky. It was hard to turn and everything. Well, it was like a house key. Like it wasn't even like a car key or it didn't say Hummer. It was literally like just a, like a silver house key and engraved on the house key, like looked like someone scratched it or scribed it on, said white Hummer. We were driving like a charcoal gray Hummer. Well, there was no locks on the doors. Like the locks on the outside that you'd normally put your key in were not on the doors. So at this point, we're kind of we're kind of thinking like this this might be this might be stolen. Like we just signed the paperwork in this dude's garage. Um, he didn't actually take us to his dealership or his rental place. It's got a house key. There's no locks. It says white Hummer on it, and we're we just paid cash. Like we're like, we, you know, but we trusted them and figured that, you know, this, this is what we needed. We ran a hundred different routes to get a car and this was our last resort. And that's like, yeah, like we said, that's what we called it. We actually wrote in the dust on the Hummers, uh, window, Lenny's last resort car rentals. So everybody knew where we got it from. Well, Second day in, 
we're doing this fishing trip and we we were fishing i think i think we were fishing uh the canyon section of the kenai river and we drove out in the middle of nowhere and uh hiked you know a couple miles to get down to this spot and we're fishing and fishing and we're like you know what like we're let's keep some fish let's let's eat some dinner tonight so uh we roped up uh some real fresh sockeye salmon and carried them back up well they're uh we we put put them on the stringer and i'll I'll get to the fishing in more depth after this but i just want to finish this car story and get it out of the way um but our stringers were breaking and the the fish were falling off our stringers so we ended up just having to hold them like in nets or in our hands and we were dripping sweat and just so exhausted finally got back up to the car anthony goes to start it nothing battery's dead we hadn't seen a car all day and we didn't see a car the entire trip in no cell service and we're like we're we're toast like we got we got nothing we're miles and miles away from you know anything remotely close to a town and i was like we're we're gonna spend the night you know in the hummer in the dirt next to the hummer luckily like not five minutes after that a car comes driving down the road same thing shattered windshield donut spare tire like trash filled up in the back smells like weed and i waved the car down and you know real real nice couple was inside and luckily had jumper cables jumped our hummer and sent us on our way well, we get back to the Airbnb and driving up the driveway, it's a little little bumpy. And we park the car, you know, we're filleting the salmon and everything. And another guy that's at the lodge next to us is like, hey, I think you guys got a flat. And we look over at the tire and it's, you know, it looks low. You know, not, not flat, but pretty low. Well, in about five minutes it went from pretty low to resting on the rim and the tire like popped off the rim like it was draining quick so as i said earlier we had no spare because the spare tire had a hole in it looks like somebody shot it so we call up lenny's last resort car rentals and say hey uh we got a flat tire and uh he's like well that's a problem like yeah yeah, it's, it's a real big problem. He's like, well, did you try and put some air in it? We're like, well, it's it's a little past that. Like, it's off the rim. Like, it, we watched it drain in a couple seconds. We inspected it. Like, it's all dry rotted, and it's it's not going to hold air. And he's like, wow, wow. He's like, that's, that's a problem. Well, you could put the spare on. And we're like, uh, the spare's got a bullet hole in it. And he's like, wow. The last people I rented it to must have must have done that and not not told me about it. He's like, that's that's a problem. And that he just kept saying, that's a problem. We're like, yeah, yeah, we know it's a problem. He's like, well, that's why we're on the phone with yeah, you right now. Actually, he's like, well, he's like, you could just try and put some air in it. And we're like, okay, first off, we don't have any air. We're at our Airbnb right now. He's like, wait, well, you're at an Airbnb and you have no air. Air, yeah, okay, funny play on words. That that was that was a bad pun. 
Um, so anyways, we, uh, we're still on the phone with me. He's like, well, could you, could you like go and get like a portable air compressor? We're like, no, we can't go anywhere. Like the only vehicle we have is this Hummer and it's got a flat, like there's nothing we can do. And he's like, oh, you know, that, that's a problem. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? He's like, I can come out tonight. He's like, he's like, I can bring you, bring you a jack, a tire iron and two tires, one for your spare and one for the flat that you got. And he's like, and he's like, I'll, I'll just come at night. He's like, there's less cars on the road and uh, I can drive, drive fast. I was like, uh, okay. He's like, I'll be there at like two in the morning. We're like, what? Like, just come at a re- at a reasonable time so you don't got to be here. At, I, I have not two, heard that part of the yeah, story. Two in the morning because there's less cars on the road and you can drive fast. So at this point, you know, we're all making jokes like he's just waiting until dark so we can go to Walmart and throw some guy's Hummer up on jack stands and snag two tires off of it or something. So. You know, I it was like one in the morning. I was dead tired, so I was like, "I'm going to bed." You know, you but, you but guys Lenny's coming you, up too. Yeah, but you guys can stay up and wait for Lenny. I I didn't have to stay up for that show. So you know, around you know one thirty, you know, Anthony's like, "Yeah, I, I better you know better get a hold of him, text him, see, make sure he's on his way." Texted him and nothing, just. Nothing. He's like, oh, maybe he just doesn't want to text maybe and he's drive. On, yeah, he's on his he, way. Yeah, he doesn't want to text and drive. He'll be here at 2. You know, 210, 2.15, 2.30 rolls around. You know what? Let's, you know, we'll we'll go to bed. If we wake up in the morning and there's a new tire on and the spare's changed, you know, great. You know, we wake up about, you know, 6, 7 in the morning Still got that flat. That's get, perfect. Get, yeah, get get Lenny on the horn. Uh, where were you last night? Yeah, I, you know, I tried calling all the tire shops and all the tire sh- This is word for word what he said. He said all the tire shops are closed on the weekend. I, you know, I called them and they said they made too much money during the week that uh, they decided to close for the weekend. <laughs> and we we were like. They, they, You're they, full of shit. They, they, they said they made too much money, so they had to close for the weekend. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, your math's not adding up here, buddy. And he's like, "Yeah, well, you know what? What size tires are they? Like, you, you know, you you said you were bringing them last night, and you didn't even know. Like, like we figured, you know, he had it on file or something. So." I get down and I read off the size of the tire to him and everything. So he's he like, had absolutely no intentions no, of showing up no, last night. Absolutely none. And uh, you know, I don't know why he told us he'd be there at two in the morning if you know whatever. So finally, uh, he said, "I got two brand new tires, and they're on the original Hummer rims." And he's like, "I'm leaving right now. I'm in the car." I'll be there in three hours. So, cause he's, he was located in Anchorage. We're in Soldatna. So we're like, all right, you know, just hurry up. And, you know, two, two hours rolls around. We're like, call him. Like, let's just make, make sure make he's sure, on the road. Yeah, call him. So we call him. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm about an, an hour and a half out. 
So reasonable. He, yeah. You know, it should have been about an hour, but we figured, you know, he said he was on his way and about half hour later actually left. So anyways, about an hour and a half out. We're like, okay, perfect. We'll see you in a bit. Finally, we, we see the Jeep, you know, roll up the driveway and it's Lenny, you know, and he gets out and he's like, oh man, he's like, yeah, he's like, that's, that is flat. We're like, we tried telling you on the phone, like it's, it's flat. He's like, yeah, you guys weren't kidding. He's like, well, I got the, the two tires in the back and I brought the jack and the iron so we can change them out. Okay. Like, let's get to it. Get, get the tires out of the Jeep. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and opens up the back and literally like rolls the tire like right in front of the other tire like a, a good tire and he's like oh yeah he's like they're the same size he's like perfect like what are you talking about like i told you the size of the tire like on the phone and everything he's like oh he's like they're same rims and everything like these are perfect We're like so you just guessed and just happened that where did he get these tires and rims uh, he, he never told us um he said they were brand new um the one was pretty much completely bald and the other one was a decent tire wasn't brand new but it was decent no dry rod or anything had some good tread by no means brand new but the other one was like dry rotted and flat so we're like well let's uh let's just forget about the tire shops closing because they made too much money and the the two in the morning drive and let's let's get to the chase he he stole these so we're like okay um lenny if you're uh if you're recalling this story and listening to this um you're a great guy but it was just a funny story that you know we made up for for entertainment so anyways, we're like, it, yeah, it's this Jeep or this Hummer stolen. These tires are stolen. Like, this is just, this is great. So get some put on. And this dude, I don't think's ever changed a tire in his life. And, you know, he jacks it up and he's going to put the jack on the exhaust and plastic and just everything underneath. And we're like, let we we'll, we'll change the tire. We, we got this. Jacked up the car, threw the tire on, lowered it and, Lenny's Lenny's tightening the tires up and we're not feeling too confident or the lug nuts and we're not feeling too confident with his abilities so we're like you know what like just you want to just leave the jack and the tire iron with us that way if for some reason we get another flat we can take the spare off and change he's like oh yeah yeah he's like well he's like and just bring it back you know whenever you guys get back so we're like all right well he he leaves and our buddy Carter's like I'm gonna go test those lug nuts to make sure they're on well he on every single lug nut got probably another like full rotation or two out of all the lug nuts so we're like okay well at least we so know they were like barely hand tight yeah yeah like you you could have you could have tightened them about that tight with a screwdriver you know and he had a, a big t-tire iron so anyways batteries working good uh Subwoofers all, are hitting all, hard. All four tires, yeah. Subwoofers are working with the headlights and radios jamming when you got the fan on. And windshields cracking worse by the day. So anyways, rest of the trip ran real smooth. And I'll get back to you with the the end of the the return 
when we go to return the Hummer at the end of the podcast. So you'll have to stay tuned to hear how uh, how the return process goes. But I let's figured in, I, figured I bored you enough with, with the Hummer story. We're, we're going to get on to fishing. Luke's giving out Hummers. Yep. So, um, you know, we didn't know know what to expect really um with conditions and covid and population like how many people were going to be up there um, we weren't getting real good reports on numbers of fish running so we really weren't sure we were going to be trout fishing salmon fishing you know what what kind of numbers of fish what types of salmon you know were pushing through so we were just kind of winging it and uh First first night we were there, we decided to go to uh, a nice nice trout stream that had had a couple uh, salmon in there, but um, they were you know pretty colored up and spawned out. I don't know. Did you did you guys hit any creeks, Tom, when you were there that had a good mix of trout and salmon, or was it basically you were trout fishing or salmon fishing? No, the section of the Kenai we were on had a pretty good mix of rainbows and salmon. Yeah, so that that's the the section we were fishing. We weren't on the Kenai actually. I I forget uh, what what the stream was called. Maybe we'll we'll have Hunter on the podcast and he can maybe even recap with you. And I don't want to give away too many of his secrets, but um, it was a it was a smaller stream, feeder stream, and you know we were trout fishing and I I did all right uh, for my first day. You know, fishing in Alaska caught. I don't know, a couple rainbows, maybe some dollies, and uh, I don't think I caught any salmon the first day. Um, a couple of the other guys did, but we just we got our rods wet the first day, and it was it was good, you know. Had to had to knock the rust off. None of us had fly fished in you know a couple couple months, you know, so we just had to get everything going, and that was a good first day. Everybody caught a couple fish. We didn't kill them, you know, but it was a good day. So we actually got back to the Airbnb, did some talking with some of the local guys, and now we we actually had a had a plan together of you know what we were gonna do. So we decided you know we let's get some meat. We need to eat. We need to get some meat in the freezer. So we were gonna do some salmon fishing. Well, we went to um, the lower section of the Kenai and did our salmon fishing there primarily. So. You know, we're getting we're getting our rods rigged up and everything, and uh, you know, tying up some streamers and uh, whatnot. And we, there were still trout in the streams, you know, because all the salmon are spawning, so you could catch those. But uh, usually, uh, Carter packed one rod, Anthony packed one rod, Bailey packed one rod, I packed one or two rods, and Hunter packed about six. So. He was pretty much set for everything. Like I said earlier, he was the guide. So he basically had, you know, anything. If you wanted to catch a fish in that stream, he, he could target it specifically with a perfect setup. But we get down there and start uh, salmon fishing. And I figured it was going to be a lot like, you know, steelhead up here where, you know, you just make a few drifts and, you know, when, when the school moves through, you'll run into one and catch one. Well, we get down there and there's guys chucking four ounces of lead and size two circle hooks like what the heck is like what what are they doing you know well as tom said earlier the technique is called flossing where you 
just basically have a big weight and because the salmon aren't feeding um, you have to basically get your line caught in their open mouth because they're kind of filtering water through as their mouths opening and closing you get your line caught in their mouth and you feel them shaking and then you set the hook and your line slides through their mouth and you know you get a clean hookup right in the mouth so after you know we did that and we checked the legitimacy of it and everything and it's the legal technique of fishing in Alaska like it's it's a big big food source everyone's you know up there getting their salmon you know you'd pay big dollars for it in the store and if you're there you know might as well get it for free so uh we were doing that and uh finally got our rigs set up for flossing salmon and I'll tell you what once once we got got the setup down and the technique and how to do it and everything it was game over for those salmon in the streams we had multiple times where four or five of us were all hooked up on fish at you know the same time fighting you know anywhere from eight to 15 pound salmon and it was just unreal every day after that no matter where we went if there were salmon in the river and you could like legally target them we were crushing them it was just slam fest but it was it was a lot of fun um you know fighting those big powerful fish and i do have a couple videos of them so um it's i don't have a ton of good content you know to make like a huge Alaska trip video, but I do have some clips and stuff, so maybe I could yeah, we put can do a, short little a little montage together or something, and uh, just show you guys like how pretty the water is. It's like a like a bluish green, and like just just the land and the fish and everything was just beautiful. So we can you know post some little clips and whatnot to show you guys that. But is fun and like as good of a fight as those salmon put up and how great tasting they were and everything. Bailey actually was the Bailey and Carter were the, basically the chefs of the, of the trip and, you know, cooked, cooked all the, the high, high prized meals. So that was nice to have, you know, two people in the kitchen that actually knew how to make oh, some they, good meals. Are they like pretty good cooks? Uh, Bailey, you know, he's just like a, like self taught. He's real big into fitness and everything. And just, loves food the guy just loves eating so uh you know he makes a pretty good meal and uh carter is i want to say a like a i don't know if it was an, not an owner but a manager like a manager at a restaurant near i forget what restaurant it is so applebee's he, no <laughs> applebee's has rats but um so he he knows his way around a kitchen and just you know from cooking but uh so we we had a good variety like you know, most people up in Alaska, they're eating PB&J and Spam and salmon. But, you know, we had salmon and, uh, oh, what's the, chicken parmesan and uh, garlic bread. And, like, we every every meal we had was, you know, we had pierogies and just, like, we had good meals while we were up there. So Yeah, you do it a little different than how we do our hunting trips. I ate pickled sausage and... Vena sausages in the little little cups. Yeah, yeah, we don't eat nearly as good. We yeah. did uh, did some dough tacos and. Yeah, no, we we did it right. We we had you know spaghetti and meatballs, and then that's pretty sweet um, actually. 
Yeah, then it, it, we we had we ate like kings. I'm trying to think of some of the other meals we had. Uh, we did have a couple nights, you know, where we just had some oven pizzas and threw them in. But I mean, we were there for two weeks, so um, we couldn't really, you know, afford to do that. Like I, I cooked burgers one night, uh, Angus beef burgers. So, you know, we we ate good. But anyways, my favorite part of this trip, and I think what anybody who takes a trip up to Alaska, if you do, go catch the salmon. It's it's great. It's fun. They fight hard. It's fun to learn, but um, they're great tasting. You know, you get a lot of meat off of them. Um, but if you go to Alaska, try and figure out where you can go and trout fish because that was my my favorite part of the whole trip was trout fishing. You know, just just because like the angler I am, I like having people are gonna get mad because you know flossing is a legitimate hookup, but I like the fish actually attacking and eating my bait. Like when you can tie a fly or well, you you were tying bait, flies at the we, camp, yeah, right? We did. Um, well, yes and no. Uh, we we did tie our sockeye flies. You know, our our floss and flies, which was basically a big old hook with a piece of yarn tied around the top we we really strung those up good but um no we did tie some some uh some trout flies and everything and actually the biggest success and uh, i've said it multiple times the key to our success and what caught the most fish was actually um hunter daniel's custom beads his custom beads that he makes outproduced everything that uh we had the bait shops had the guides had everybody that was on the river even the guides that had clients on the river we were out fishing them and it was on hunter's beads and so what basically what we did was we would find a river that we knew had spawning salmon in it well that hunter knew had spawning salmon in it we all just kind of followed his lead but um and you would go and just start you know down low and just just walk it you know and just walk for miles and miles and just cover tons of ground we we fished all day well some days that we got up in the morning but we fished from the time we woke up in the morning until dark so um a lot of times the water that we were fishing was super clear. So we we're using light line, which made it fun because you really had to play the fish. But um, you also just had to be stealthy. You couldn't just be marching up the stream and, you know, smacking your, your line in the water. So there was a lot of what I liked about it was, you know, the, the actual skill involved in catching the fish. And it wasn't like the, the salmon, you know, where it was just kind of dumb luck or um, there is skill. There is definitely skill involved in flossing salmon. Um, it's definitely more difficult than you'd think just snagging a fish, but um, to actually get a legitimate, fair, legal, sportsmanlike hookup, it does take a little bit of skill, but the trout fishing was actually like more fishing than, than I would just say snagging. But, um, you know, there were deep holes where, you know, you couldn't, you know, couldn't see bottom. It was, you know, eight, nine feet. And that's usually like big falling down tree where the, the real big fish were sitting. And 
a lot of times broke us off. Um, I remember a time Hunter had a, he had this Dolly Varden on that was, oh my gosh, every, I mean, this thing, it was probably, you know, 26 inches, every bit of like eight pounds. Like this thing was just, when you think Dolly Varden, you don't think, you know, that big, but this thing was just a horse. It, it might even have been 10 pounds. I don't know. We didn't get a crazy good look at it, but it, it looked like, our steelhead up here, like a big steelhead sitting in the water. But he, you know, was sitting in a real slow, deep hole and Hunter threw a bead and this, I mean, usually like in the shallower water, the smaller fish, you know, would dart and really aggressively hit it. And this thing just kind of slowly just swam across the hole and just sucked up Hunter's bead and Hunter set the hook and this thing took off and, shot out of the water, actually jumped over a pine tree, looped him around, and finally broke him off. And, you know, that was the last we saw of that fish. But I was, you know, standing right next to him and watched it happen. And just, you know, those moments like that um, were just phenomenal. And it was kind of cool. Like I said, it looked like a steelhead sitting in the water. That trout fishing you used almost the same tactics that you used to catch trout and steelhead, you know, in Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, if you go out west, Montana, you know, the same techniques you use will catch the same fish in Alaska, you know, you might have to change up your, you know, your fly a little bit or your drift or how you present it or your line, but overall it's, they're trout, they, you know, they're, they're just, just all in the same. But, um, I don't know, was that your experience, Tom, you know, when you, I know, because you went up with Hunter before I ever did, and this was, you know, really before Hunter was, you know, into his guiding and everything, but, um, was the trout fishing, you know, good up there, or were you guys mainly focused on the salmon? The only trout fishing we did was we got a guided trip one day, we did a float down the Kenai, and we did trout fishing then, and we um, crushed rainbow trout, but that was really the extent of our trout fishing. Other than that, we were pretty much sockeye salmon fishing the whole time, just the old flossing technique. Yeah. And it, it worked really well. Yeah, it, it produces a lot of fish. But, yeah, so, I mean, how how big were the rainbows that you guys were catching? You know, were they, were you, um, were they that, like, you know, stock trout size, that around that anywhere from... 8 to 14 inches. Yeah. Hunter did catch a really big one that was probably 20 inches. Nice. Which, that's that's a big rainbow trout. Yeah, that's that's real big. And that's, you know, that's the first time me or you has ever caught a native rainbow. I mean, we, we get our steelhead and stuff, but in Pennsylvania, you know, where we're at, any rainbow trout is stocked. You know, there's no native rainbows in the streams around us. I mean, there might be somewhere, some somebody might, you know, call me out and say there is in Pennsylvania but I mean I know native brown trout everywhere but I don't really know of a whole lot of native native rainbows you know um but anyway so I thought that was really cool and the and the rainbows fight you know even when you catch you know those 12 13 inch rainbows they're pulling like they're they're strong strong fish so yeah especially if you have like a three or four weight fly rod oh yeah they they rip you around yeah it's one thing if you're out there with a eight weight nine weight catching 13 inch 
for smaller trout but if you have a setup for trout then it's definitely a lot of fun yeah hunter took us to a spot where it's you know real real deep um we actually you couldn't fish for them but uh there were a bunch of kings moving through and we were watching the king salmon you know shoot out of the water and uh just porpoise like surface at the top and like it was just the the scene the scenery was just amazing we're we were sitting there fishing you know the edge that was only you know a couple feet deep but you'd look out in front of you and see a 60 70 pound king salmon like it was just unreal but um hunter did dump a absolute toad rainbow while we were fishing the canyon section of the kenai just i mean just a ungodly sized rainbow trout like like something you'd see in a magazine or something or caught out of like the the hydro canals in uh new zealand i mean it wasn't quite you know that 30 pound range but it was it was a big fish the biggest rainbow we had seen or hooked into all weekend or all all the two weeks we were there but Anyways, back to the trout fishing. Like it was like I was saying how it was very similar to what we do up here. I just couldn't believe that, you know, we were walking these tiny streams with completely overgrown and trees on both sides and there's brown bears, you know, and or grizzlies and they're feeding on the salmon and you know, you're seeing bear tracks and you look up and the bears, you know, 20 yards in front of you and you know moose tracks and like just just an absolute unreal uh experience and the the trout fishing like anybody could do it you know if you can if you're physically capable your body's capable of walking you know through the streams you you can catch fish like it's just unbelievable and like I said, there's some skill involved and you have to use the right equipment and everything, but it's very adaptable for anybody to do it. So obviously uh, your favorite part was um, the trout fishing. Do yeah. you have like a least favorite part? Maybe not necessarily something you didn't, or maybe is there anything you didn't like about Alaska or the fishing up there? Um, the only thing that I was kind of like a little... Like, I don't want to say didn't like, but, you know, I had this, you know, vision in my head, like Alaska, like untouched land in which they're, you know, I mean, now anymore, there's, you know, very I know, little I, well, untouched I, land. I know people are going to argue it and say that there's, there's so much we don't know about Alaska and there's, you know, but, um, our uncle Frank, who's been guiding in Alaska for how many years, 20, 20 years. years and knows everybody's gone up there he's like the most remote places you can only access by plane and then that you can't access by plane that you got to get to by boat and then by foot he's like alaska's been covered like there's people don't think it and people argue it and everything but alaska's been covered there's been people up there for a lot of years now hunting and fishing and traveling and literally just doing what i just said traveling and exploring alaska but so i had you know that vision of you know fresh preserved would you call it tom the last frontier like untouched land and when we landed in anchorage it was kind of sad there were a lot of homeless people um you know sleeping on the streets a lot of people doing drugs like od'd on the streets and um just a big city you know 
And it just kind of like when we got off the plane. That was your it, first experience it, yeah, in Alaska. I was huh? like, this this doesn't. I was like, this feels like I'm in, like in a bad part of Erie or Pittsburgh or something, you know. And I was like, this, you know, it's not Alaska. You'd look at the horizon, and you know, instead of seeing Lake Erie, you know, you saw mountains, which was really cool. But it just, you know, it didn't seem like I was in Alaska. Well, once we rented our Jeep and or Hummer from Lenny and actually drove to Slobotna where we were staying, that's when, you know, it it felt like Alaska. It felt like I was in Alaska, you know, driving through, seeing moose on the side of the road and, and bear and bald eagles everywhere and um, big mountains and, like, blue water and we saw the ocean. And we, we, we fished a stream that was literally, like, we, we, I was looking at the ocean. I walked down and was fishing, you know, 100 yards upstream from the mouth of the ocean, you know. So that was, that was really cool. We were catching salmon that were swimming out in the Pacific a couple, hour, or a couple minutes, you know, before they were on the end of our line. So that was cool to actually, those salmon where we were catching them in the mouth, or like at the mouth of the creek, those salmon were still aggressive and hitting baits so that was that was really cool so after your first experience in alaska i would imagine you plan to go back eventually what would you do differently um going again i uh wouldn't rent a hummer from lenny is probably where where i'd start that's uh one of the top ones yeah um but no i mean you know there wasn't a whole lot that you know like i I wish I didn't do this or I would have done this different. It's just that you just want more time there. Not even, there's just so much to do in Alaska. Like most vacations, people go, you know, five days a week. We went for two weeks. We were there. We were there for a long time and we didn't even, you know, Hunter's been going up there for six summers in a row, like months. He'd go up there for, you know, three months to guide and he's been doing it for six years, you know, and he hasn't even scratched the surface you know the rivers and the places you can go and the fish you can catch and you know we we did this hike that was maybe a two-hour hike up this mountain and we get to the top of the mountain and there's a big valley with a with a lake in the middle of the two mountains you know like just the prettiest like most pristine water you could imagine you know trout jumping out for dragonflies that are flying over whatever type of bugs are up in Alaska I don't even know but just like some you'd see in a movie like just just beautiful so I mean not not that like you said yeah I do want to go back and not not that I would do it different but just do different things you know what I mean like not don't go to the same yeah, place yeah okay. it wasn't something like I wish it's not I'd, that you didn't like yeah. where you were at, but you yeah. want to see something else. Yeah, gotcha. I want to see what else Alaska has to offer because there's just it's huge. It's it's like half the size of the United States, you know. Like, and people people don't realize how big Alaska is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it might not be quite half, but it's it's big. People are like oh, it's like the size of Texas. No, it's a lot bigger than that. It's huge. Yeah. So huge, 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 huge state. Um, yeah, but I mean, 
I know you're you're more geared towards hunting. Um, I don't know if you ever had any desire to you know moose hunt or go to Alaska or anything. I told Frank once he gets his um, official guide license, I'm gonna be his first client. He's gonna take me on a black bear hunt. Okay. All right. Uh, now you've never been there, so you're kind of yeah. You know, you heard stories from your two younger brothers like they went to Alaska, so you're probably like yeah, I want to see what this is about. Now, Tom, would would you ever go back? I plan. Uh, yeah, I plan on it. When and for fishing, for hunting, what do you want to do? Because you you just you didn't do any hunting, did you? You just did no. Fishing. I don't, I want to go up for a hunt. I don't know. Probably moose hunt. I was gonna say what what do you what do you want to target? Definitely moose. Gonna have to start saving now though. Yeah, he might he might be saving for a couple years. I just wouldn't even bother saving. Just start buying lottery tickets. That's you know I I thought about that. I was, we should just all put all of our money into a pile, buy lottery tickets, split the winnings. You know what? Let's. Uh, you got a fifty-fifty we'll, we'll, shot we'll, to hit in the Powerball. Either win or you don't. There's yeah. two options. It's clear-cut, fifty percent chance. But you know, it's not a bad idea. You know, we'll you know we'll we'll make we'll make a post on Instagram. Not really, but I'm gonna no, say we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll make a GoFundMe. Uh, you guys can donate to our uh, lottery fund. Um, all the proceeds go to uh, Pennsylvania Lottery, benefiting uh, older Americans or older Pennsylvanians every day. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, um, but just to give you guys like one little last like recap, well, you know, I guess I'll, yeah, well, before you go ahead and give you a recap and then, you know, since you were, I mean, you're like a frequent guest slash host almost, but we'll let you close it out. So go ahead and give your final well, remarks on I it. I want to hear the end of this Jeep story or Homer oh. story. Oh, no, we're, yeah, we're getting, yeah, there. We're getting I've, there. I've been thinking about it. And I, I know everyone listening has been too. Um, but anyways, like just to, you know, give you guys some information, like I know they do the write it in pens on here and whatnot, and it's not really a write it in pen. It's just kind of a write it in pencil, you know, just, just tuck it, tuck it in your brain. And it's just something like, just, I'm just giving you some information here so you can take away something and walk away a little smarter after hearing this. But, um, so, you know, our, our big tactic, I don't, like I said, I don't want to go, go burn spots and techniques and special tricks but basically i mean if you know steelhead fishing up here you know you people fish streamers you know different types of flies um people fish beads you know uh, a lot of alaska we weren't allowed to use uh like bait like you couldn't use live bait like minnows you weren't allowed to use eggs or like egg sacs or skein or anything so it was all artificial so um you know if you fish artificial up here you know, you got your beads, your streamers, your different flies, all that type of stuff, you know, is gonna, is gonna work, you know, in Alaska, like fishing up here. Why do you use a minnow? Well, there's minnows in the streams. Why do you use a white streamer? Well, it looks like one of the minnows in the streams. If you just want to fish artificial, why do you use a bead? Well, it looks like the eggs coming out of the fish. Why do you use, you know, a, a stonefly? Well, if you flip over a rock, there's stoneflies under the rocks. You know, like, you just, it, it makes sense what you use. You know, you use stuff that the fish are used to seeing. And, I mean, there is some stuff. Like, look at a crystal meth fly. Like, what does that look like? I mean, maybe, like, an orange one might look a little bit like a piece of skein or an egg or something. But, like, a, a chartreuse, like a lime green crystal meth fly, that doesn't really look like anything. But the fish still hit it, like... You know, it's just still going to send it. I still send it, you know, but, um, 
you know, so there's just, there's so many like different things that, you know, the steelhead around here will eat and whatnot. And it's the same thing in Alaska. If you go up there and you, you know, go to any stream that, you know, has salmon in it, what are those trout eating? Well, they're probably eating the salmon eggs. You know, the salmon are dying and rotting, you know, flesh flies. You hear that all the time. People fishing with flesh flies just looks like a chunk of flesh. That's what the trout are eating. They adapted into carnivores. Um, you know, any of the bugs, any of the hatches that are going on in Alaska, you know, you throw, you know, a, a fly that looks like, you know, some of those bugs, you're going to catch those fish. And just, just if you book that trip, it, any, any place that you see that has, you know, we, we're fishing the Kenai Peninsula and every stretch of water that we went to, every stretch of it had uh, trout in it, salmon, or both. Like, it was just unreal how many fish were up there and how much water there was to fish, and the fish weren't pressured, and it was just unbelievable. So, you know, if you took anything away from that, you know, that's kind of the, the strategy we used. You know, we, we waited just and just walked and fished the whole way. Just cast your lines always in the water, you know, because even if you can't see them, you know, they're, they're still in there. But... Anyway, so we lapped, wrapped up our last day and uh, had to go catch our plane and uh, figured we'd give Lenny a call and tell him we uh, were going to return to summer. So we called Lenny and said, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're heading back tomorrow, so uh, we're going to, you know, bring the, bring the Hummer back. So if, like, you know, you could, you picked us up from the airport and he as when he did that he told us that he would give us a ride back to the airport after we dropped off the hummer so we're like so we're you know we got to be at the airport by you know four o'clock or five o'clock or whatever so um you know we'll drop the hummer off around four if you could you know give us a ride to the airport uh that'd be perfect he's like oh yeah yeah he's like so uh he's like just just give me a call you know when when you're getting close to anchorage so we're like all right so, you know, we packed up all of our stuff in the Hummer, and uh, we're driving back, and, you know, we, we start getting close, and we give Lenny a call, and uh, we're like, hey, uh, you know, where's, you know, where, where do you want us to meet you at? You know, where's, where's your rental place at? And he's like, well, he's like, I'm not actually going to have you meet me at the rental. He's like, uh, he's like I'm going to have you uh, meet, meet across the street from the subway. We're like, what? This this rental it, doesn't even exist. Yeah, I'm like this isn't this this guy's got got no rental business. He's got nothing, you know. And it he, took you till now to realize. Oh that? no, we we made jokes about it the whole time, but every time we talked to him, we just confirmed our statements were were 100 valid. So we're like, all right, whatever. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll see you there. He's like, just give me a call when you know when you're pulling up. So we're like, okay. Give him, you know, give him a call. Hey, we're, we're going to be there in five minutes. He's like, actually, you know, he's like, I'm not there. Um, he's like, but he's like, my mechanic's there. He's going to take the Hummer and he's, he's going to give you guys a, a ride to the airport. I'm like, oh, jeez, oh, Okay. Sounds good. So we're pulling up and, uh, I don't know, like the most accurate way I can describe, uh, who picked us up. If you've ever, uh, you ever watched Fast and Furious and uh, you know the guy Hector on there? I'm pretty sure it was the same guy. Hector picked us up. And uh, 
gets into the car and he's like, hey, do you have room for my stuff? We're like, what? Uh, no, we, we're in a, you know, Hummers are big, but there's not a lot of storage in them. We're like, we got, you know, five suitcases, five carry-ons, five, five everything, our fishing poles and everything. Like, we, no, we, we don't really have room for your, like, what, what's your stuff? You're just taking us to the airport. And he's like, well, he's like this, uh, one of our clients has a flat tire. So, uh, we, we just started laughing at that point. We're like, yes, this is a reoccurring thing with you guys. And he's like, he's like, so, uh, he's like, I'm going to bring my stuff. And he's like, and, and drive out, uh, out there to change Tonight the tire. Tonight at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, wait, hold on. Like, you know, your stuff, you know, like what, what's your stuff? We look over and he's got like a case of water, some beer, like some toilet paper. And like, like that, that's not his, car changes. That, that, that's his stuff. stuff that he needs to bring. So we're like, what the, what's, yeah, sure. You know what? Like set it on our laps. Like we'll, we'll carry it. Now mind you, this is a five person, five seat vehicle. We had five guys in it. Now we got six because this dude is driving us to the airport with all of our luggage. So, oh, and we didn't have enough room for all the luggage. So we had to rent a U-Haul. Okay. So that's how much I for, completely forgot that whole part of the story. So we had a U-Haul that we had to return before returning the car. So we had to pack all of our stuff out of the U-Haul back into the it, huge mess. Like the Hummer was just packed. So we were laying on top of each other, had bags on our laps, like just absolutely awful. Never do it again. So anyways, we're driving to the airport and... This dude, he's starting to sketch us out a little bit, you know, like not to judge anybody, but you know, he's got like some, some tattoos and just kind of, you know, the way he's talking just, you know, I felt a little, just a little uneasy and not just, just his, like who he was, but just the whole situation that we were in, you know, not knowing this guy saying Lenny was going to pick us up and now he's not as mechanic is not actually at a dealership. We think the car's stolen just a whole bunch of stuff was kind of like throwing red flags for us. And then he starts talking about, you know, like how the cops don't like him. And because we passed a cop and he hates cops and uh, he doesn't get along with cops. And, you know, the, the time he, the time he did, did in jail. And the only thing to do in Alaska is to drink and beat your wife. Like these are his words so we're like you know on edge and uh he tells us that uh he's not actually going to to change a flat tire he just likes one of his clients that's renting one of their cars and he's gonna go spend the night spend the night there and that lenny's gonna be real mad when he doesn't show up for work in the morning or come back that night so we're like just please get us to the airport so we can get out of this car and finally, you know, we unload and we're at the airport, you know, we're wiped our hands clean of that car, you know. Oh, and I forgot, we, we were talking like joking, like, what do we do like if we get pulled over right now? Like, how do we verify this? We look in the glove box, there's nothing. I'm, I'm saying nothing. There's not a manual, there's no registration, there's no title, like, there's not even a, like a napkin to blow your nose. There is absolutely nothing 
And so that was the detail. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. He had to he had to take the papers out of the glove box. No, there was nothing in this car, and like so, you know. And you didn't even actually have the real guy's name from who you rented the vehicle from. I think when the when his mechanic picked us up, we did get his name because he said blank is going to be like real mad when I don't show up for work tomorrow, and I. You know, I just can't remember what it was. Jeez, you know, if it comes to me, you know, I'll I'll say it. But I I do remember hearing it. But we we just went with Lenny, and that's what we still call him is is Lenny. But you know, that was, you know, if you if you go to Alaska and you get off at the Anchorage airport, go to the Hertz car dealership, and ask the guy for his buddy, and you know, he'll hook you up right. Hopefully you get that gray Hummer because it treated us well and it'll sure treat you well. But, I mean, there's not, you know, people say like a, you know, a picture doesn't do it justice. Like, you know, me, me talking about the trip, you know, can't, can't do a justice for, for what the trip actually was. I, all I got to say is like, if, if you really like enjoy the outdoors or you know hunting or fishing or whatever like you you have to go and see it like it's it's not like just going to another state or on a vacation it's like going to a whole other world it's you feel completely unplugged and disconnected and it's it's awesome but that's that's about it for me i mean you got any other questions tom you know like I know you went up there and fished. Is there anything that like you wanted? Did you guys if, ever if make it did? over to the Bird Creek? Yeah, yeah, we fished Bird Bird a couple times. Catch any pinks out of there? Uh, not. I mean, we might have. I'm not. See, I'm not sure because you know some of the streams were were closed to salmon fishing at certain times, and so like like I said, I mean, we fished Anchor, we fished Bird, we fished Quartz, we fished the Kenai. You know, we, we fished a bunch of places, but I'm not exactly sure, like, which which places were what, you know. But I do remember, this is one, we stayed in Soldaten at this Airbnb, and it took us, like, two or three nights to realize that we had access to, like, the Kenai River, like, a big fishing section, like, you know, five minutes from our Airbnb. So we found ourselves there every night um catching salmon like we literally get back from our you know day-long trip fishing and then we'd go down there like we'd catch trout all day and then go right behind our airbnb and you know floss salmon and you know catch dinner for the night and that was that was fun but um we did we did fish bird and i, I think i'm not sure yeah, I, I can't say for sure, you know, what fish I caught out of what streams. Um, if we had Hunter on here, I mean, he could tell you, you know, what section of it and how many feet you were away from the access. But um, other than that, I mean, do you have anything, Nick? I mean, did you, I know you're not, you know, huge into fishing. But no, I, you covered just, everything I could have asked. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, like I said, um, I'm I'm getting getting healed up and gonna be back on the stream so like i said earlier i wasn't getting outside but 
now now that I am getting outside, I, I feel entitled. And if, if Nick will let me uh, sign us off here. Yeah, go um, for it, buddy. Uh, I'd like to tell you now that I'm not being a hypocrite that I'm actually out there. So uh, I'll tell you guys that uh, this is the White Cat Outdoors team, you know, signing off. And I want you all to get outside. Thank you.